listening to She Rises, a podcast dedicated to women who are ready to stop settling and start living their lives by design. If you're ready to talk about the stuff that weighs you down and get practical advice on everything from your health, body image, spirituality, relationships, and personal growth, then you're in the right place. Hello, I'm Giovanna Caposa, your host, master coach, spiritual teacher, and mind-body expert, and I'm on a mission to unsettle women all over the world. Are you ready to rise? Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of She Rises. Okay, listen, I know that I say this a lot and I mean it all the time that I'm so excited about the guests that I have on the show, but today I'm extra super duper excited about this guest. Susie and I met at a speaking competition here in Toronto called Mo Mondays. And I swear to you, after I heard her speaking, I literally, like when the event was done, I rushed the stage just to talk to her, give her a hug and literally say to her, you need to be on my podcast. And P.S. We have to be best friends. I kid you not, guys, this is how it went down. Anyways, I'm so excited Susie's on the show today. It is hard to believe that it was just over a year ago that Susie Corey recorded her first song with producer John Angus McDonald of the Canadian rockers, The Trues. Since then, she has played the Whiskey A Go-Go in Hollywood, opening for LA Guns, as well as having played a festival in Brazil. In less than a year, Susie has made a name for herself in Los Angeles, as well as back home in Toronto, and has Canadian music insiders taking notice. As a mother of two teenage boys with a full-time job as a customer service manager, it's hard to believe she still has time to be a rock star, but she is proving how it can be done. Ladies, you need to listen up here. Susie's currently working with producer Brent Woods in LA on a full-length album and has her sights set on no less than a Grammy in 2020. And guys, if there's anyone that can create this, it is this beautiful, amazing rock star we have on the show today. I am so excited for you to hear this show. Please don't forget to follow us on Facebook. Find us in the She Rises tribe. The link will be in the show notes. And of course, you can hear the show and find out all about the show notes also on SheRisesPodcast.com. Enjoy the show. Hey, Susie. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Welcome. Hi, Giovanna. Very happy to be here. Yeah, I was telling the audience a little bit about you before uh, I hit record. And I was so, so enamored when I saw you speaking on stage at an event that we were at. Just when was it? It was probably about a month or so ago. It seems like time flies. Yeah, it was just last month in March. I know time flies fast when you're having a fun, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And your story to me was so gripping and so compelling hearing you speak, but then also watching you perform. And I have to say to you, Susie, you have the honor of being the first rock star on She Rises. I'm so excited. Wow. <laughs> I am honored for sure. Absolutely love it. So I, you know, I shared with you before we started record and I think I gushed in your ear that night too. I'm like, you're living my dream. I've always wanted to be a singer and a rock star. I love it. And I think that your story is so powerful. So would you share a little bit of how you became a rock star in your forties, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so tell I, you us know, a little I, bit. It, in my mind, I was a rock star a long time ago, right. but uh, 
<laughs> it's only coming to the forefront now, let's say, and, you know, other people are discovering it too. So, you know, I think everybody grows up as a child, you have dreams and somewhere along the way in the route of life, you kind of get sidetracked and lose track of what it is that you dreamed of and, um, you know, forever reasons in life and the path that it takes you. But I was very fortunate that I ended up kind of rediscovering that. And that's where this story gets interesting. And, you know, it happens much later in life and after getting married and having kids and raising children and um, traveling overseas and living abroad and then coming back home to Canada and uh, finding myself. So the story is quite an intriguing one. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love it. And I love how you just teased us with that. So it's very, I mean, it resonates with me also because I very much have the same story of leaving Canada and moving away. And, you know, I kind of found myself away and then coming back to Toronto, which is where you and I met. But I'd love to hear it because you're, you're a mom, you have two teenage sons and you work full-time still, is that correct? That's right, yeah. And you're a rock star. So tell (laughs) us how this began. (laughs) Okay, well, you know, as I said before, um, I had those dreams when I was younger and I was about 15. I remember I discovered Guns N' Roses. It was like, wow, oh my God, these guys are the best ever. And I found my confidence in that kind of music and discovered who I was. And then I broke the news to my parents that, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to be a performer. And basically they said to me over our dead body. (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, as funny as that sounds, it was horrible at the time because, you know, to be that age and know exactly what you want to be doing in life, a lot of people are not there at that age. And it wasn't just a phase. And now looking back, I know it really wasn't just a phase. Um, I was certain of what I wanted to do, but I grew up in a very strict Middle Eastern household. So those things were looked down upon. And Immigrant you know, my parents, parents, right? Exactly. Just like and mine. They, <laughs> well, exactly. I think that's why when we spoke, we really understood each other because we grew up in the same kind of um, environment. And not to say it's a bad one because, you know, in so many ways, they did shelter me from a lot of things. But who you are is who you are. And I think no matter what your parents try and do, they can't really change that. Mm-hmm. And perhaps it might defer it for a little while, but it I pops think out eventually, right? Right. And, you know, a lot of people sometimes maybe don't act upon it like I have, but that's why a lot of people maybe are not necessarily happy in their lives because they've put that stuff away and, you know, it's still somewhere inside of them, but they're not doing anything about it. That's so important. I'm so glad you bring that up. And, you know, of course, like I said, I have immigrant parents as well. And it, you know, wasn't done maliciously. It's just very often. And I mean, you and I have both had experience of also being immigrants in other countries. Like, it's done for safety. It's done because they love you. It's done because they want to keep you safe. And it's about survival, right? It's not about like go out and shine and and all of that. So yeah, of course, that's where they went. But I love how you say that, you know, if it's in you, it's in you. And I do see a lot, a lot of women. And of course, this show's dedicated to women, but I have male listeners too. So you'll resonate with this as well. But it's that little bit of soul that dies when you're not honoring the calling of who you are inside. Right. And sometimes, you know, that's really hard to rediscover as we get older, more people come into your lives, more into your life uh, and uh, more people are influencing you, whether it's subtly or outright, you know, telling you what to do. And I think 
where you have to find your strength again is to find that place where you can be alone and really, you know, reflect on a lot of things and find again who you are. And like I said, sometimes that's really difficult to do. You know, I, I got married. I was 24 at the time, so relatively young and had kids right away. So I fell into this role of being a wife and a mom. And not to say that I was miserable, not at all. But what happened was that everything I had planned for my own life kind of got put to the wayside. And then I began to focus on what was going on at the time, which was being a wife and um, having my two kids and raising them. And, you know, I was even in the Middle East, I, I moved over there not knowing how to speak the language. So my priority was, okay, I got to learn how to speak this <laughs> right. language. And, um, you know, I didn't know how long I was going to be there. Little did I know it was going to be for 14 years. But in that time, you know, I still made it a successful time and tried to make the best of it while I was there. I ended up becoming a station manager for an airline and managing the station out there, became fluent in Arabic. And so, you know, there's a lot of things I'm proud of, but it wasn't until about three years ago when I decided to move back home to Canada that being somewhat, you know, I, I came back with the kids because they were going to come back and study here. And my husband stayed in the Middle East. I found that time to kind of have that distance between us and I could sit and reflect and think about my life and, you know, all the things I'd done and I was proud of, but where was I going now? And that's when really everything changed. And that's such a key thing. It's so important. And for anyone that's listening here, sometimes you need to create the distance, right? Or the gap between the old life and the new life, right? Because like you said, when you're in it and you're being a mom and a wife and you're working and you're, or whatever it is, maybe for those of you listening, you have a corporate job and or you have your own business or whatever, you get caught up in the way life is. It's so important. And this is what I hear from what you're saying. It's so important to, you know, create somehow that gap between the old life and the new life, because that's when you find yourself really, and you get in touch again with these desires that you had. Well, you know, I think the real awakening happens when you make the realization that, you know, a lot of people blame external factors for how their life is going. And, you mm -hmm. know, that, that dictates their life when in fact it's all in your hands. And, you know, I don't want to sound like this person who's kind of preaching, but that is the truth of the matter is that when you make that realization that you are the one who decides where your life is going, that's when all the doors open and, you know, you go, okay, how do I want my life to look like? And you can't take into consideration, you know, whether it's financial factors, whatever it may be, everything will eventually be taken care of, but you have to take that first step of realizing where do you want to be and where do you want to go and what do you want your life to look like? And, you know, sometimes it's just sitting and thinking about it, writing it down, making it clear. And then you start taking small little steps and little actions and those lead to bigger things. And then that's when everything kind of turns around. And, you know, that's why I was saying even the financial stuff. I mean, I haven't left my day job. I wasn't going to be silly and go, okay, I'm going to be a rock star. That's what I always wanted to do. Let me go live that lifestyle. I am living that lifestyle. But I'm also responsible. I, I do have two kids that, you know, I can't think, uh, okay, well, I can go live wherever. It doesn't matter. No, I need to have a, a roof over their head and, you know, provide for them and so on. So you don't have to go all out crazy, but you can find ways to make it possible. I absolutely, oh my God, there's so much in what you said there. I, can't, I don't even know where to start. It's so great because you're, and first of all, yeah, preach away, sister, because you're, <laughs> yeah, honestly, I mean, we need to hear this and we need to be reminded that we are the only ones stopping or creating excuses and preventing ourselves from having the life we want to have. And I love that you just said that, you know, 
you are being fulfilled. You are doing what you want to do. And you still have your day job, so to speak, right? It's This isn't about like the, you know, Tony Robbins has this phrase, you know, like if you want to take the island, burn the boats. I think that's a little bit crazy sometimes, right? Like you don't have to live that way. And and like, like you said, put yourself and your kids on the street just because you want to pursue this dream. It's not about that. It's actually for everyone listening, please, please hear this. It is about finding fulfillment of your heart and your soul in ways that respect your life and that also are complementary. It's not about this whole burn the boats idea. And I love your positive attitude. One of the things that stuck out to me when I, I saw you on stage was just how committed you were to your vision and how much you just believed in your heart that this was the way to go. Can you please tell us the story of how you met your rock legend idol, who's also one of the loves <laughs> of my life? Because I, I just, they got to hear this story. Well, you know, I have to say you completely shocked me at that moment when you came up to me and you spoke because you looked so well put together and sophisticated, which you are, but I never imagined that you had that rocker in you. (laughs) Oh my God, girl. You know, that's so funny because I find as women, we do this with different areas that you show up or different, you know, different venues. And even with different weights, like on my body, I dress differently. And like, if you saw me in my thinner days, girlfriend, I totally rocked out. So, but you're right. I do still have that tinge of little bit of you know, whatever we want to call it, that's there. So yeah, it's, it was funny when you said that to me. I was like, I am totally a rocker. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that. And yes, I'm more than happy to share my Axel story, which I think I've told about 50 million times, but you know what? 50 million and one is fine with me. It never gets old. And my, my audience hasn't heard it yet. <laughs> exactly. You know, and the thing about it is in the beginning, I was telling the story because I was just excited to talk about meeting a, a big superstar and who happens to be the reason why I got into music to begin with. But then, you know, when I started doing the more um, public speaking and using the story as an example, I realized its importance and it was a awakening of sorts for myself. So the story kind of goes that, you know, I was my 40th birthday was coming up and my friends were asking me, what are you going to do? And, you know, they were talking in terms of having a big party, a celebration. What is it that I want? And they were asking for gifts and ideas and stuff. And that's when, you know, I had this huge realization. I wanted nothing but to meet my idol. And I remember it coming so clearly to me. I said, you know what? I've never been a materialistic person. So that stuff has never mattered to me. Don't care. And I'm not a big party person either, despite the fact that, yes, I love rocking out. Um, (laughs) But I'm very quiet and reflective in a lot of ways. And the only thing that I wanted was to meet this person and speak to him and tell him that, you know what? I'm starting to find myself again and rediscovering what it is that you ignited in me when I first saw you. And, um, So I told my friends this and they thought I had gone off the, you know, (laughs) I was losing my mind. And they're like, okay, she's turning 40. She's going crazy. Sorry, let her do that. So I told them, you know, that I'm going to fly out to LA and I want to go find Axel. And that's all I want. I want to meet him, take a picture, maybe say a few words. And um, for those of you listening, by the way, I just want (laughs) to cut in and say the Axel, if, if you're not a child of the 80s, like we are. And you've had your, your head under a rock, maybe. The Axel she's talking about is Axel Rose from Guns N' Roses. So I just have to highlight that, that you flew to L.A. Yeah. With so the, on the mission. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because I will tell you, I left here and there wasn't 1% doubt in my mind that I wasn't going to meet him. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done all that. You know, I knew in my heart of hearts that I was going to meet him. So I flew out there and there was my birthday. I drive out to Malibu because I found his address. I hate to say on Google, it was pretty easy to find. 
And That's kind of scary, actually. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I was shocked, like that it's so easily accessible. You know, anyhow, I'm not a stalker. Just for anybody out there listening, getting worried. Um, but you know, when I want to do something, I find a way to get it done. So I drive out to Malibu, and on my GPS, I'm about. I don't know, two minutes away from the house and it's in a canyon. So I'm driving up the canyon road, very secluded and quiet and there's nobody there. And in my mind, I'm just processing, what am I going to say to security to just convince them, you know, that all I want, it's my birthday. I've <laughs> I'm come not in all the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm not crazy. I'm not going to do anything, I swear. But I'm from Toronto and I just want to meet this man for my birthday. And as I'm driving and thinking these thoughts, I see a gentleman walking in the street and he is not facing me, but I can see the back of him. And I look down at the leg and he's wearing shorts. So I see this tattoo and, you know, I knew every inch of Axel's body because <laughs> his body covered my whole bedroom for years, my whole teenage years. I love it. And I knew that tattoo and I cannot tell you, my heart must have stopped. <laughs> and I don't know how. I was able to function, drive the car up next to him, put down the window and, you know, be polite and tell him, listen, I'm not crazy because he must have been a little freaked out. You know, there was nobody else mm -hmm. walking in that area. <laughs> and I, I said, you know, I told him my story. I've come from Toronto. Just want a picture with you if that's possible. And yeah, and he was unbelievably polite. I didn't know how he was going to react. You know, all these things we'd heard in the past. He turned did up you to tell him I Googled your address and that's how I'm here? Or did he, did he no. think you just randomly like <laughs> spotted him on the street? No, he knew that I'd come out there. I didn't tell him I Googled the address, but <laughs> I did tell him that, you know, it's my birthday. I flew all the way from Toronto and he goes, Toronto. Wow. So, you know, it was really weird that he wasn't freaked out and didn't think I was nuts. And instead he was very nice and said, listen, just my house is right up there. Pull up to the driveway and, you know, we'll do the picture up there. So I did. And I remember waiting for him in the driveway because he was walking. So he needed another minute or two to get up there. And I literally started banging my head on the dashboard <laughs> in excitement and to try to calm myself down so that by the time he got up there, I'd be all calm. And I was, he came and, you know, I got out of the car, shook his hand and gave him a hug and told him, you know, that I was totally the fan. I think I turned back to being 15. Oh, totally. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. And trying to be a little sophisticated though, you know, and we had a nice quick chat. He took a picture and that was it. And I remember telling him one thing. I looked at him and I said, Axel, you know what? You and I are going to do a song together one day. And he kind of chuckled and little does he know it's coming. <laughs> I mean, talk about being a master manifester. I just, first of all, I love with the, the confidence and the conviction that you flew to LA and you did this. And I remember you telling this story on stage and I thought, oh my God, like I've literally had fantasies of New Jersey and Bon Jovi, right? So I'm thinking, oh my God, I have to like, you can Google people's addresses. I'm going to Google. I just love how you went there, just absolutely sure that you were going to create this and you did. Yeah, you know, and for me, this is where I was saying that it was a huge, it had a huge impact on my life, not for just having met him. I mean, that was fantastic to have made it come true. But I came back here and I thought about the whole situation. And that's when I had that huge aha moment, they call, you know, where you go, oh my gosh, I could come up with the craziest thing and make it happen. And if I did this with something that sounded so unbelievable that people thought I was crazy when I told them I'm going to go meet Axl Rose, and I did, then you know what? Everything else is going to be a piece of cake. Anything else I'm trying to do, it's possible. And that's what it proved to me. So, you know, I started, I put this picture up my, on my vision board. I don't know if you're aware of, you know, this whole idea of vision board stuff. I am. Stuff. 
<laughs> yeah. And so, you know, it reminds me that it's not so much I'm not putting it up there because of Axel per se, but I'm putting it up there as proof that you can think of the craziest thing. And if you believe in it with your whole heart, you can make it happen. Totally. Yeah. Oh my God. I just, I absolutely love that story. And what you said, mostly for that part of it, like obviously, oh my God, amazing. You met Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. That's awesome. Like how amazing is that? But it's what's under the story. It's that, it's what you just said is that anything is possible. That if you put your faith and your courage and your conviction and it's aligned like in your soul, I really believe that anything is possible. And that's that part of that story that, I mean, everybody was cheering when we heard you talk from the stage about that, but I was just like, this woman is a powerhouse because, you know, it's not just that one incident because as we talked about already, like you're a mom, you work full time, but you're still making your dream come true. So tell us a little bit, like what has been the best part in the last, cause really this has blown up over what a year, right? Over the last year. Yeah, I mean, the whole Axel story, that happened at the end of 2015, so that was about two years ago. And since then, you know, it was a year after that that I decided, okay, I'm going to get started with this whole music thing, and I started writing my own songs. And, you know, in the beginning, it was being the fan and just wanting to be a part of that whole music scene. So when I first moved back to Canada, I started going to a lot of shows, watching a lot of these performers. And then as I started to, you know, it started with the Axel story, and then after that, I just have other crazy things that started happening. I mean, things like I ended up meeting Steven Tyler, who is my second biggest Me idol. too. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I didn't have time to talk about this at the Mo Mondays, but I'm not sure if you and I talk kind of off the, the record. What happened there was I ended up meeting him and his people and they invited me out to Mexico City to watch the show there. And no, I'm not a groupie for anybody who's wondering. I made it very clear. Listen, <laughs> if I'm being invited, nothing is going down. And they said, you know what? If we knew you were one of those girls, you wouldn't be allowed like a hundred meters away from him. So I was very happy about that. Um, anyhow, I, you know, I got to hang out with him and his group entourage and so on. And then we watched the show from the side of the stage. And to me, that was just an unbelievable moment. I got to watch Aerosmith in Mexico City, side stage. Amazing. And yeah. And during the show, Steven Tyler comes up in one of the songs, you know, Living on the Edge. And he puts the bike right beside me. And I got to sing a little part of that. And, you know, it was surreal. And you realize that in the end, you actually did manifest these things. I had Steven up there on my vision board. And oh, I knew my that gosh. I was, yeah. And so, you know. People think these things are crazy. And I tell them, you know what, if you think that's crazy, go to my Facebook profile and go have a look through things. And it's not to show off. It's to prove to you that it's real. It's not something that, you know, people sometimes think you're in La La Land when you're talking about men. Well, you were in La La Land, but for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, even that afterwards, yeah. again, I came back to Toronto, reflected on it, and it wasn't about meeting Steven Tyler. That was fantastic. But what it was, I will never forget that moment when I stood on stage and I was looking out at the audience. There must have been about 30,000 people in that audience. It was for me to see what it feels like to be in front of 30,000 people and normalize it. That yes. it's something normal. Yeah. I mean, oh my God, absolutely. And this is what I absolutely loved about you telling your story is it's like, yeah, all these amazing things that are happening and whatever it is, right time, right place, you know, vision board, you know, all of that. But I love how you go to the under root of it. Like it wasn't about just the famous person. Cause I mean, that could happen. I mean, yeah. especially here in Toronto, I mean, 
there's so many famous people I've met just Toronto Film Festival and stuff like that. But it's not just about that. Like I get, I love that you're really getting to the heart and the core of it. Like this was for you to have that be a normal thing, to stand in front of an audience of 30,000 people and just feel that energy the way they would feel it. I like just amazing. And, you know, to be a part of their group and the entourage and see what goes on behind the scenes again, so that one day when I'm in that position, I know how it works and I know what's going on. I see the good, I see the bad, and nothing is going to be a shock to me. And then, you know, you can be better prepared for it and know how you're going to deal with those things. So it was an unbelievable experience on so many levels. You know, I love this. And I just got like one day when you write your memoir, when you write your book, <laughs> you should call it the school of rock because it, it really is a study and you're putting yourself in these amazing situations. And I have to say, like, how were you obviously with Axel Rose, you were seeking that experience out. How did this happen with Steven Tyler that you just ended up like on the road? Well, you know, the thing is, I was at his show here in Toronto. He was doing a show not with Aerosmith, but with the Loving Mary Band, which is his own band. And they do, you know, a few covers, a few Aerosmith songs. And it's kind of has more of a country feel. And so I went to go see the show because I'd never seen Steven Tyler live. I'm sitting there in the show and I get a text from my boss saying, we need you to escort a VIP tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, who? And he sends me the name and it's Steven Tyler. Oh my God. And you're sitting at his show. I'm sitting at the show. So I take a photo (laughs) and I send it to my boss. I go, look where I am. And it was just an unbelievable moment. So I'm thinking, okay, you know, that's fantastic. I don't have to try and hang around here and try and meet him because tomorrow I get to meet him in a different kind of way. So I did. I got to escort him the next day. Super, super amazing person. And, you know, the people who work with him, also very nice people. And it's actually, I did befriend a few of them and we're still friends to this day. And one of them being his makeup artist, Melena, she is just an incredible, incredible human being. And I spent time with her more than I did with Steven or anybody else. And um, yeah, so I got to escort them the next day. And, you know, his people said, you're really a great person. And we would love for you to come and see a show when he's going to be touring with Aerosmith uh, the next month. And I'm like, you're kidding, right? And they go, no, just choose a play, you know, which date you want to join us and let us know. And, you know, I I work for an airline. And I said, sure, I'll come out to Mexico City. (laughs) So amazing. Yeah, that's, that's how that happened. But, you know, again, you just... It's, I knew that I would meet Stephen one day. I didn't know how. And that's another thing I want to always say to people. You know, you don't have to worry about how something is going to happen. All you have to do is see it happening. And when it's happened in your mind, it's already a done deal. Oh it's my, already. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I'm just like, I, I could have you on the show for another 10 hours. <laughs> I, it's so amazing to me because, and I want to highlight for like everyone listening, because you're probably already getting this, but this is more than like right time, right place. And like, I got lucky. This is way more than that. This is what it looks like when you are in complete alignment with your soul and your purpose. Like this is what it looks like. Like shit like this happens. And you're like, oh, cool. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm really happy you said something where you said it's not just luck. And that's the mistake a lot of people make. No you know, way. I get so many comments. Oh, my God, you're so lucky. You're so lucky. And I have to stop people and say, you know what? Yeah, maybe I am so lucky, but that luck is created. It doesn't just come on its yeah. own. People don't realize, you know, even now, I mean, it's been really a year and two months that I've been full on into the making my own music career. And 
I work constantly and people don't know. I mean, I'm sure you know, because you also do that thing with here with your podcast and all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. People don't see that. They see just, you know, that I played the whiskey a go-go in LA, but they don't know that I was hounding people. And I flew to LA and met with the promoter at the whiskey a go-go. And, you know, I keep in touch with the guys from LA guns because that's who I opened for there. And all the stuff that goes on in the background and contacting radio stations and I mean, I went to the offices of Sony and walked right in and said, I want to have a meeting with so-and-so. I just want to see them for five minutes. And they were like, you don't have a meeting. I said, I know. I'll wait here all day. Just let me know when he might have five minutes to speak to me. And it's doing those kind of things that creates those incredible opportunities because you're showing the universe. Yeah. That you're serious. It's not just, haha, I'm, you know, going to put a picture up on my vision board and maybe something will happen. Hallelujah. I just want to thank you so much. I'm so glad you went there because I have, and like, I don't know if I've talked about it on this show before, but I've definitely talked about it with my friends. And every time I say it, they're like, you know, like I'm not a vision board person. Like I just, I'm, I'm not because I think that it, First of all, it leaves out like a higher, a higher will, a higher force that could work with you or maybe want something better. That's my, that's just my philosophy. But also because there's this idea of like, I'm going to slap it on the board and I'm going to just like focus on it and meditate and it's going to happen. And I love that you just shared that because you're like, yeah, I did slap it on the vision board to remind me to continue to work my ass off in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you just said something where you expect sometimes certain things when actually, you know, you should leave it a little bit open to other things. The whole thing with the Axel story, here's where I can show you that sometimes whatever you've planned, it could come out even way better than you planned. So, you know, my plan was to meet Axel. I go there. I met Axel. Fantastic. I post the picture on Facebook. My friends are like, holy crap. (laughs) You actually met him. She did it. I thought that was it. But then a week later, the photo is picked up by a news agency in France, and they post it as the first picture of Axel in a year and a half. Then Blabbermouth.com, the biggest rock publication, picks up the same photo, writes a whole article about it, and then it went viral, that picture that I took with Axel. Amazing. And I started getting messages from all over going, oh, my God, you know, look, you're in the news with Axel Rose. I didn't plan that. <laughs> no. So- and this is what happens when you take a step forward in faith, and it's like you seed your desire and the universe like, okay, let's go. Yeah. Not only are we going to give you what you wanted here, here's a little extra. (laughs) So I got my 15 minutes of fame with him too. I freaking love that. Okay. So Susie, will you send me the picture of you and Axel? Because we got to put it up on the podcast show notes section of my website because people got to see it now. Absolutely. <laughs> Only if I can send you a picture of what I look like now, because that's not such a good Oh, <laughs> totally. No, we'll got, we got that one too. We got that one too. But oh, like I said, I could just talk to you for hours and hours and hours. I love before we started recording, like when I told you that you're kind of living the dream and you you just lovingly gave me shit and said, Giovanna, just freaking do it. Like, I mean, I don't have the voice. I definitely don't know how to play a guitar, but that's okay. But you know, it's go take a step in the direction of what lights you up and what lights your soul on fire. And you are a living, breathing example of that, my sister. I'm so happy we met and I'm so grateful that you shared your story on the show. Thank you. Well, you know what? We did talk about one thing, which is that it doesn't always have to be whatever it is that you're passionate about. You don't have to necessarily take it on a public level where everybody knows you could do it just for yourself. So if it is somebody, you know, you love singing, you don't have to go out and become a rock star, but you could start (laughs) with something small, like taking lessons. Because what you find is that when you are fulfilling yourself, no matter how 
little of a thing it is, you, the rest of your stuff in, in your life also lightens up and you become happy. You know, I go to work to my day job, which by the way, I happen to love. I do love my day job. A lot of people go, you're always happy and you're always smiling and you're always positive. I said, because I have something else in my life too going on. I have my kids who I adore. I have this music thing, which is letting me let everything out that I've always wanted to do. I get to be creative. I get to perform. I got to rock out on stage and then I get to come and have a normal life and have a regular job. So you know, people need to realize that you need to be doing something just for yourself that is something that you're passionate about and it will flow into the other things in your life and make them much more positive. And, you know, with my kids, they see how happy mom is and how much more of an example can I set for them, you know, than showing them how it's done rather than telling them how to do it. Absolutely. Oh my God, what a perfect, beautiful way to wrap up this amazing interview. Susie, thank you again for being here. I'm going to guess that this is probably going to be the most downloaded episode ever (laughs) and the most shared episode because you speak to the heart of so many people, so many women that listen to the show um, and even the men that listen. And I'm just so grateful for you and your story and for living your dream. Thank you for being here. Giovanna, thank you so much. I'm really, really honored. Like I said, when you came up to me there, I when you said, you know, would you like to be a part of this? And I read up all about it. I was so excited. I'm all about empowering people and letting people, you know, find themselves because nobody else can do it for you. You need to do it for yourself. Beautiful. Thank you again. How much did you love that show, ladies and gentlemen? I mean, come on. This woman is such an inspiration to me. I hope you found it inspiring for you. And just an end note here, if you have something, something that is pulling on your heartstrings, whatever it is, it could be a business, it could be a hobby, it could be being a rock star, whatever it is that is pulling on your heartstrings that literally has your soul light up just at the mere thought of it. Like I said in the podcast, this isn't about an either or kind of life. This is about a both and kind of life. Susie is an example of living a both and kind of life. She's still a mom. She still works full time and she's a rock star. We really are living in an age, ladies, where we can have it all if we choose to. So I wanted to just really bookmark this for you guys listening to the show. Never give up on your dreams, listen to your soul and find out what makes your heart sing and go do it. Love you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in and keep rising everyone. For books and resources related to today's episode, make sure you head over to SheRisesPodcast.com and I'll see you there. If you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure you tune back in next week when I dive into more juicy topics to help make your life the best it can be. And hey, if you've enjoyed listening to the show and you love it, head on over to iTunes and leave me a rate and review and subscribe there to the show. 